Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of our ATP Challenger-centric show from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they do focus on last week's ATP Challenger action, talking about another unpredictable week of results. But of course, with the 2022 French Open now officially underway, Damian and Jakob had to break down qualifying at the year's second Grand Slam, and of course do a draft of which qualifiers they think will have the most success at this year's Roland Garros. Of course, the guys also discuss the number of Italians emerging in the ATP rankings and so much more. It is a fantastic podcast that we know all of you listeners will enjoy. Of course, I do apologize for the fact that we're getting this show out a day late. To all of you listeners, as some of you may know, I have been in Champagne for the 2022 NCAA tournament as such just didn't have time to record the intro outro for this show yesterday. Thankfully, I'm able to do that here today on Tuesday. We do apologize for the delay, though. Hope you all understand why that is the case. Of course, if you're looking for breakdowns of all the action at the 2022 NCAA tournament, or perhaps you're looking for a breakdown of round number one at the 2022 French Open, rest assured we have you covered. Recorded two mega mini break episodes, three, I should say, two of them with John Parsons breaking down the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of the NCAA tournament, one of them with David Kane breaking down round number one and offering a preview of the rest of the 2022 French Open draw. Again, all that content available both on our website, crackedrackets.com, or wherever you listen to the mini break podcast feed. Again, all of, we should, excuse me, have daily a podcast for all of you breaking down all the action in from Roland Garros the rest of the way. Apologize, we're off to the slow start. We will make up for it moving forward. But again, for your French Open content, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed. Of course, a shout out as always to our friends at Turna for their support, which allows us to have this great shot podcast feed rocking and rolling day in, day out. Of course, Turna has been providing the best equipment in the business to tennis fans for a couple of generations now and you all know their turn of grips but did you know they offer elite string different equipment that can help accentuate the finer features of your game just make your life significantly easier if you would like to join the turn of family contact sales at uniquesports.com you mentioned we sent you the hook you up with discounted prices hook you up with free samples treat you like family again that's sales at uniquesports.com email sales at uniquesports.com to join the turn of family today with all that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric and French Open qualifying-centric episodes from Crack Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Jakob Babro. Hey, Crack fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple color grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks. The brand new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip, it's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts t- tacky and simply put, stay 
stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the Mega Tack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turner Tennis today. Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge the Podcast. This is going to be a bit of a different one because we're also going to be discussing Ram Garros qualifiers. We're actually going to start by this. Uh, with that, um, there's also going to be a draft pick game at the end of that segment. And then we'll just go straight to the challengers that happened this week and the challengers that will be taking place during the f- first week of Ram Garros. So let's start from our predictions competition in terms of Grandstone qualifying. And Jakub beat me 5-4. Yes, yeah, it, it was it was closer than I thought it would be towards the very end because I had a, I had a nice um, situation heading into the final day, but yes, I win five to four. Very happy. We had um, two or three overlapping picks. What was um, it? Sang Borges and I Sang think Borges. that's it. Yeah, yeah. So it's so only Sang and Borges we we overlapped. I also had uh, Jason Kubler. Norbert Gombosch and Jeffrey Blancano, while you had Zapata Miraes and Hugo Carabey. I feel like we did a decent job with this one. Like, like a lot of the, I, I, I don't think that there was anybody obvious that we like completely whiffed on uh, with, with these predictions. Yeah. Uh, how do we go about this? Like, do we go say something about every section or are we just going to talk about sure, some, sure. Let's, some guys? Let's, let's that. Um, okay. Yeah, so so at, at the at the top we had uh Andrei Kuznetsov qualify out of this section with, with Monteiro and, and through Haiti and stuff. Um Barrios Vera was in there, Kovalik. Yeah, Kuznetsov kind of a a a surprise one, maybe. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean I I think it's a huge shock actually. That's probably like the most uh weird qualifier. Yeah, I mean, I like like in in this section with, with Montero, who obviously went out in the first round to Sandgren, which was a <laughs> that that was a massive shock for for Sandgren to come yep. back in and in, in that that was weird. Through Haiti, I was feeling good about it. Um, obviously, lost in the in the final qualifying round with three sets, so I'm I'm pretty happy with my pick there. Yeah, going into the final day, I definitely thought that you had it because Trujillo is the Grand Slam qualifier's goat, of course. But I, I actually checked it, and his win-loss record in Grand Slam qualifying third rounds is just eight-seven right now. Huh. So it's like around fifty-fifty. But still, he got there so many times, right? 
uh, as a player who's he hasn't even been that good at the challenger tour, like compared to Grand Slam qualifying, probably. So, so that's uh, great. And I think Andrei Kuznetsov is pretty shocking because he was one five on clay and just not doing anything with the path that he had. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, if he was to beat Monteiro and uh, I don't know, yeah, just go to through Monteiro instead of Sandgren, then that would have been even more, even more huge. Yeah. Yeah, in the second section, we both picked uh, Galan, who seemed like the most obvious pick out of that section, the only really viable pick. But obviously, once he went out in the first round to Agamemnon, um, it, it sort of became quite open. And it was Denia Kolaj who took the advantage here. Uh, just so weird that he's the he's the qualifier, um, just because he's he's not been great this year, has he? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in recent weeks, I guess he's been making quarters and semis pretty regularly. I don't think it's that 2021 level that he had. But yeah, once Galan was out, it was simply pretty open. I think Agamemnona was the favorite to make it, but he didn't really didn't have a great one uh, in the in the quality, in quality round three. Uh, I think we both sort of hinted at Agamemnona being Galan's uh, toughest opponent potentially. Uh, but still pretty disappointing for the Colombian not to qualify given given the year that he's been uh that he that he's had so far. Yeah, and in the third one we both got a point with Nuno Borges. Uh I remember we discounted Shombor Pirosh only on the basis of fitness. Was there a point this week where you thought that maybe this was wrong and that Pirosh was going to take it? Well, I, so so he, I I wasn't sure what to expect from him after he beat Query two and two and he, he looked he looked decent in that. I was a bit worried. I was like, okay, this is going to be probably it's going to come down to Piroz Borges and it's going to be a real match uh, where Borges ultimately went, went out in that third set where it, the, the fitness actually came back to by Piroz yep. in the end. So I guess we were right to to sort of not pick him there. We had also Bradley Klan in here who hasn't played in like, what, two years or three years or something. So that was, that was interesting to see. Yeah, I might uh, as well. In, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I might as well. Uh, we did that last time, but uh, again, if you want to hear more about Bradley Klan, there's been a there's been an interview at Crack Rackets recently with Alex that you can check out. Yes, um, yeah. For, for first section, we both went for catching here, right? Yeah. Um, who did make it ultimately in the draw, but obviously lost to Kotov in the final qualifying round. So impressive from from Kotov this run. Um, Grenier, Rodionov, and then Kachin. and he he never really looked. In danger. Yeah, so absolutely. I think he's been the, the most impressive performer of the qualities here. Like I, I, I'm struggling to find anyone who impressed me more. Like Borges was fine, but he was messy. Like that, that's not that that he didn't show anything new. Kotov has actually shown that on clay he is capable of these wins. And I, I, I remember thinking of him, but I just didn't want to go into that Kotov Rodionov or Kotov Martyr second round match. That seemed too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was catching definitely, uh-huh. definitely had the nicer road to get to the final exactly. round. Yeah, that, that uh, was that was why we we went for catching. And well, Kotov it was insane. It's a shame that he got a pretty tough uh, first round, but I guess we'll we'll return to that when we talk about uh, when we talk about our picks in the draft pick. Uh, but it's also important to mention that uh, Feliciano Lopez is uh well his streak of 79 consecutive grand slam appearances has has ended because he lost to Gianmarco Moroni in the first round we weren't really expecting him to pull through or anything but it's just 
uh, a very historical event since uh, this is the, the longest streak that anyone has ever had. I believe he's like 12 over Seppi or something like this. So it, it can actually stay a record for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an insane streak to have. <laughs> 20 years, right? I mean, al- yeah. almost 20 years. It would have been 20 years had Wimbledon 2020 been played. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, fifth section, I went for Vetasco, you went for Urukarabe. Obviously, you, you got the point here. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was at one point, I was feeling very good about my Vetasco pick when he was up 6 2, 5 <laughs> 1, or whatever against Jumur. 5 uh, 2, I think. But yeah, sure. <laughs> he, uh, he lost that second set, came through it the third. Uh, I really didn't expect Richard to take him out after the match that he played against locally. Um, that that was, I mean, obviously the the crowd was very involved in that match and stuff, but for Richard to come back from that and take a bit as close surprise, but yeah, your pick Ugu Karabe, how did you feel about it? Yeah, just exactly what I expected. <laughs> like, uh, I, I just thought this was a weak section. Didn't really trust Verdasco to win three matches in a row, given how he looked in the past couple of weeks. And Hugo Carabelli just seemed like the only clay court player in the bottom half of that section. So that's why I went for him. And it's very cool that he made it. Yeah, and in the in the sixth one, you actually got a point because you had Jason Kubler. I didn't check it, but I think Kubler is probably the only qualifier who saved the match points along the way, right? Uh, I, I can't come up with anyone now. Uh, but he did save one against Rodu Albot in the second round. Also had a very tough clash against Bonadio. I did expect Pedro Souza to play him a little bit closer in the in the final qualities round. My pick here was Denis Novak, whom I just figured might have the most potential out of these eight. But I just didn't really like. Th- this just seemed very even. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with Kubler as my pick. Um, the Albot match was was very close. I, I actually saw him as a pretty decent favorite against Pedro Sosa. I, didn't, I wasn't okay. particularly surprised that he, that he beat him the way that he beat him. Um, then this section, who did I pick here? Seven. Dalibor Svrčina I picked, yep. I think. Yep. And you picked Popko? Yeah. Yes, we both lost first round. <laughs> we both whiffed. But to be fair, Borla Goyo gave, came out of this, which is an absolute shock uh, he that's that's insane to me that Borna Goyo came, came through this section I guess uh, but I, I believe when we were talking about this section that was like literally my point with picking Popko that uh, outside of Menezes it can literally be anyone yeah yeah uh, the eighth section um, I went for Andre Martin hero pick didn't work out uh, lost, lost, to, lost to Luca Nardi um, and you went for Zapata Mirais, who had a much nicer draw and and, and won, and it made sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. Any other, yeah, Just, any other thoughts on Zapata Mirais here? He struggled a bit against Nardi. Uh, was yeah. down 2-4, I think, in the second, before Nardi's game uh, fell off a cliff. I didn't think Nardi was capable of winning three matches in a row against such high-quality opposition, but... In a way, Nardi actually overperformed my expectations, like especially against Job. He was just so good. And in the beginning against Zapata Mirales too. Like this was a pick I felt very confident about. Uh, but in a way, I, I would have actually maybe even liked Nardi going through more because he's got just so much potential and imp- improved so much over, over the past uh, I don't know, six months or so. I guess you could say December, December last year, maybe January this year. Yeah. And in the ninth one, I went Hanfman and you went with 
Hanfman, yeah. As we, well? we, we both Hanfman. Didn't um, you go Fairness? Hmm? Didn't you go even Fairness? I I wrote on Hanfman. Uh, I'm pretty um, sure I, you went with even Fairness. I I, I have yeah. to look at my uh because I also signed it. Uh, I I also wrote it down. But I'm pretty sure I remember you saying that uh, you're gonna pick Fairness because of his uh, title recently. And ah, well, I mean, it's, no, it's no, you went with Huntsman too. Okay, I maybe yeah. you considered him, but no. Yeah, yeah, Fairness I considered Huntsman. We both went for. He wasn't fit in the end. It was very clear in the loss to Ramanathan. And after that, it was a bit of a. I mean, who was going to come out of that? Ramanathan, Cohen, and Copeland, Sepieri. Uh, it was Sepieri at the end. Um, I remember saying, uh, like in my tweet about the predictions, I remember saying Hanfman and in brackets that Zapieri is probably the only threat. So I, I guess he was my second favorite to, to win this one. But I also didn't really, even though this was a very easy draw for him because Seppi, Kopil, Sean I mean, sure. Uh, the, the youngster, by the way, she had a, had a couple of great performances, but. Um, the youngster, as in Quena, not uh, Zapieri, since he's also young. But uh, what I mean is Zapieri, we've rarely seen him play three matches without any lulls, without any sort of, uh, without any issues, really. And that was a very impressive qualifying campaign in that regard, even though the path was somehow a little weak after after Hanfman went out, it pretty much had to be like this, yeah. Yes, uh, and then I had Norbert Gombosch. Uh, in the 10th section, he he got me the point. It wasn't easy. Uh, it wasn't pretty either, but he he got through his matches against Lestien. Uh, Gabriel Debru, who, who was very impressive, uh, even though Phil's retired in the end, that, that was a hell of a match. And then uh, he got a big lead on Gombosch in the second set, couldn't hold on to it in the end. Uh, you went for Kohlschreiber, which I found a bit puzzling. I, would, I even went for Kwako in like my best bets article on on last word on tennis or something but um yeah i i didn't expect coach Herbert to do anything here at all well uh, i i remember saying that maybe this is a bit of a nostalgia pick uh, again i didn't really think uh that this section was easy to pick from uh for some reason well actually not some reason for a very justified reason i rarely trust norbert gombosch but maybe <laughs> i should start doing that because he's the only uh, qualifier he's the only player who qualified for both the australian open and the french open this year and uh, yeah. in the 11th section we both scored the point with chunsin Tseng. I guess this was like really easy, given Serundolo had a lot of fitness question marks. Uh, that mm. was just a very straightforward pick. I think everyone went for, and it turned out this way, especially as he didn't even have to play Serundolo after all. Absolutely. I mean, thing was always the pick there uh, with, with Serundolo having question marks around him. Um, yeah, I, I was maybe a, a bit surprised at, at how, how easy it was for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, choosing saying he's been playing on a on a very good level this play season. I've been very impressed. Yep. Um, Twelfth section, we both went for Nicolas Hari, right? Um, yep. And he lost out to to Varias in the final qualifying round. Uh, that was always, I think, the the matchup that we were sort of predetermined for. It was always going to be Varias against Hari. It went down to as close as it could have gone down, uh, but Varias in the one out. So I think it was a it was, it was a close miss for us. 
Yeah, I, I think we both just pointed out this matchup that we would like to see it. It definitely delivered. Oh, Jari was like 4-2 up in the third. So, I mean, with this serve, you're going to be kicking yourself for, for a loss like this. And then in the 13th section, I think we both went with Elias Nemer. Yep. And, uh, well, he lost to Juan Pablo Fikovic in the first one, in, in the first round, which was a little bit of a shock. But since then, the, the section was definitely really open. I remember also talking a bit about Bjorn Fratangelo, that he's usually a bit underrated in terms of his red clay skills. And it totally makes sense that out of a very even section with no one that could really like do, do any damage in the main draw, it, it's him who, who came out on top. Yeah, I, I was sort of cheering on Vavasori uh, to to get through this, but Fratangelo, once Emer was out, he he made the most sense uh, as as we we're heading into the second round. Um, in the 14th section, I went for Jeffrey Blancano. You went for yesterday Young, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I, I got yeah. one. Um, yeah, I just thought you know there there's always like a Frenchman uh, that, <laughs> that that comes out and. And, and as well, his draw, I mean, Basic, Brody, and, and Masur to, to get to a, a main draw is, is very, very nice for him. Yeah, yeah absolutely agreed. I mean, th- this was another one of these sections where I just felt like it's a little bit of a peak. Uh, tough to say what De Jong would have done if he defeated Masur in the second round. Uh, this beautiful scoreline of Brody Olivo makes me wish I watched it, but I actually didn't. <laughs> Anyhow, in the in the 15th section, uh, one of us got a point. No, you, no, you went with Herbert, right? And I went with yeah, Janessi. So yeah, I, I was actually pretty close, but in the final qualifying round against Ofner, whom I think we didn't really trust in the, physically, and that was like the only concern. Ofner actually seemed like the best pick here. Uh, Janessi in the in the third set he was just so passive. I mean, it it was ridiculous, and and I guess it worked for a bit, but then it's it didn't. And it's it's actually I mean, I I would have liked to get a point here, but Ofner is obviously going to make a lot more impact even if he's playing Zverev. I mean, imagine Zverev Janessi. Uh, and contrast to Zverev Ofner. So I think the, the better tennis player won, and that's cool. Yeah, and in the final section, we both went Koboli, but it was Santiago Farodriguez Taverna who, who came out on top. A uh, bit of a surprise here. Yeah, sort of. I mean, the, the draw wasn't tough after Koboli went out, I guess. I think the, the three strongest players in the, in the section was probably Wesler, Kuzmanov and Koboli. We, we, I, I think we hinted at Kuzmanov Koboli potentially being the, the, the match for the for the spot in the main draw, but Kuzmanov uh, flopped it in the in the final quality round. But it does make sense for Rodriguez Taverna to, to, to beat these sorts of opponents. It's just with, with how streaky he is, it's literally very hard to... Uh, just predict whether he's suddenly going to click or not. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, once again, I I win five to four here. You you won last time, so we're split on this here so far. Uh, Mention we'll it five what... more times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens at Wimbledon. Uh, then going forward, but first, what happened we in uh, at the Australian Open? Happened? What happened at the French Open? Happened? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and now we're at the qualifiers draft. 
right uh, yes. we're going to do the the fun thing of trying to do <laughs> rock paper scissors over zoom oh yes when was the, the first pick uh so uh, you're, obviously you're not gonna see that but we're now going to like do i don't know one two three boom uh what? i think we both got scissors so we need to yeah one two three boom yeah so you you win you start you're starting i took out a rock and Jakub had paper so he he totally wrapped me there and we <laughs> he's gonna start but we're going to do this in this in this way where there's uh he gets to pick one and then i go two and then we go like one two 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 all, all the way until uh, there's so uh, we're, you know. we're, we're snaking the draft so i have the first piggy of second and third and so yeah, on exactly um, and right, there's so also uh three lucky losers so we're not going to use them for uh, for the purposes of this because the the number the number is simply not even yes so with the first overall pick i'm going to take bernabe zapata mirayes um it's the most obvious pick i think he plays michael moe uh so he's a he's a massive favorite in the in the first round then he faces Fritz or Rodriguez Taverna, which I don't think would be a completely impossible win for Zapata Mirais to get. Uh, so could we potentially see a third round here? I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to be happy if he beats Mo here. Uh, so yeah, Zapata Mirais for me. Yeah, just also a, a short disclaimer that we're recording this on uh, Saturday after the qualities have finished. Uh, so we're still not like, we don't know any major results, so they're not going to help us here. Um, anyhow, I really, I really wanted to go Zapata Mirage too, but there are so many other options. There's a lot of qualifiers who can actually do something in this draw. And I, I'm now thinking between a few of them, like who's actually who actually has a better chance to win a match in the main draw. I kind of th this is a bit of a yolo one, but I, I will go for Camilo Gocarabelli. I oh. mean, with, with Karatsev's form, I just really want to go there, honestly. And uh, the fact that he, well, well the fact that uh, Karatsev lost to Manarino last week when Manarino hadn't won a match on clay in three years, that sort of helps my pick, not going to lie. And the other guy I'm going to go with is Chosin Tseng. Uh, because I think he's got a pretty decent chance to even maybe make it the third round or get sets of Sonego, get some sets of Sonego in the second round. He's playing João Souza, who's now in, who's in the final of an ATP 250 this this week. But I think that might actually not work in his favor uh, in terms of just fatigue and even in general. I think Seng Souza is a very very even match right now. Yeah, I, I really wanted saying I really, really wanted saying with, with all these next two picks, but you took him from me uh, in this horribly rude way. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> right. I'm going to go with Jason Kubler. I feel like he has a very good chance of beating uh, Kudla. He's, he should be a favorite for that match. Then Nori Ginares, he should probably lose to Nori. Uh, but we'll see. With this next one, I'm tempted, but I'm going to take... Uh, Pavel Kotov. Yeah, I'm going to take him here. Oh, really? I don't think I can hear you right now. Kotov, wait to retire. He's he's two wait, and two. Wait, 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 I mean, wait. He, has, he has some good wins. Wait, 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 wait. Um, the the connection was like kind of off. I don't know what on which end. 
could you start from, uh, I'm going to take Pavel Kotov or something like this? Yeah, I'm going to take Pavel Kotov. Uh, I have a lot of belief in him right now, uh, coming through qualifying like that. Van der Zandskog, he has had uh, this, you know, two and two records since he had this breathing issue. Uh, so I maybe don't have the most belief in him right now. And, and, and even if he plays a good match, I, I feel like Kotov can take him to, to five and, and even win. Yeah, I mean, I agree on the in that sense that I think Kotov is playing just excellent tennis right now. But I think that might be a bit, the opponent might be a bit too tough. I don't know. I'm afraid that Kotov will not have like any exceptional weapons to to win him points against Botik, but we'll see. I definitely wanted Kubler as well. I think on clay, he's uh, a pretty substantial favorite against Kudla. I think I'm just going to lock up eight points and go for... I know, I, we can't do that. Oh, shoot. I forgot Kachin no was a lucky loser. Nope. <laughs> oh, no. That really ruins my plans. <laughs> Shoot, maybe then maybe I wanted Kotov actually. <laughs> I think then, um, okay, provided that that is out of the question, I believe I should go for Nuno Borges, who I think has a very decent chance against Karen Kachanov. And maybe with my next pick, uh, maybe I still take Norbert Gombos just to take him away from you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I go for Zdenek Kolash against Luka Pui. No, I'm going to go with Norbert Gombos. Uh, my... He's playing Pedro Kachin, by the way, if you're, if you're not familiar with the draw, uh, who's a lucky loser. And when I was talking about locking up eight points, because we have the scoring system where you earn a point for each set that the player wins and also five additional five for a match he wins. So if two qualifiers are playing each other and you pick both of them, you're going to get eight points guaranteed, or maybe 10 if it goes 3-2. Uh, so that's what I wanted to do, but then I forgot that Kachin is a lucky loser, and I could, and I can't pick him. Right. Here, here is where I think it gets a little tougher, maybe. Um, I'm going to go with, with Zdenia Kolaj. I feel like he's the obvious next pick here. Yeah. Uh, playing Luca Pui, who is all, all over the place. Um, so I, I feel like he's decent chess. I'm going to go for maybe something a bit off the board. I'm going to go for Jeffrey Blancano here. Uh, Blancano plays Fuchovic, which, which uh, hasn't played since he retired in his last match, uh, which I think was like two weeks ago. Um, so I feel like there's a good chance that Fuchovic is fit going into this match, uh, which, which would give Blancano a nice chance to get the win here. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely don't hate it. I wanted him as well. And I think we're, we arrived at a point where the nice picks are more or less gone. And now mm-hmm. we sort of have to just think who has a chance of taking sets or maybe pulling off an upset. And I think I'm going to go with Bornagoyo. I don't really trust uh, Alejandro Tapilo's form recently. Like if it was the Tamilo of February or of January, I would be saying that he's going to win it easily. But recently he hasn't been that great. And with my next pick, it's actually pretty hard to to, to just think of someone. Uh, there's, I think there's six left at this point, and it's Kuznetsov, Farias, Ofner, uh, Rodriguez Taverna. Um, who else? Uh, Zapieri and Zapieri and who? Fratangelo. Oh, Fratangelo. Yeah. So you get six picks, and I think there's a pretty big chance that none of them win a set. But there's also you know, maybe someone is going to surprise. 
I might go for uh, let's try Varias. I had two guys in mind. Uh, Felix Ocheria seemed lost in the first round of the French Open twice in a row. Uh, once to Nishioka and Seppi. I think Farias is probably a stronger clay player than either of his two. Like not not in Seppi's prime, but but uh, in in than Seppi was last year. But still, uh, I think Ojeda-Lesim was just too strong in Madrid and Rome recently to for this to happen. Like for the, the upset here, but maybe you know I'm ho- I'm hoping to be wrong and. Uh, I think Varias has a very decent chance if Felix has an off match. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at the Varias LSC matchup. Um, and in a similar vein, I'm going to take Tsepieri uh, here playing Hurkacz. Uh, Hurkacz has, has never won a match yeah. at Roland Garo. He has, he has oh, never, he did. Like, he won one um, 2018 against Dennis Sandgren, and then he lost to Cilic in oh, round yeah. two. Yeah, so, 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 so he's lost the last three first rounds here, yeah. but they've been. Djokovic, Sandgren, and Van der Zandt. 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 Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try something here. I'll, I'll go for Sebastian Hoffner here. Uh, Zverev obviously has this tendency to, to drop sets early in, in slams. Uh, obviously, we remember last year to, to Ote, he, he went he went to, to Lockdown. Uh, and and Ofner is, is has enough quality to to you know take advantage of that and close out those sets if he gets if he gets chances from Zverev. I agree. I wanted to go off that too. Uh, I think in a lot of spots in this draw, he'd be very ready to win a match. It's just really uh, unpleasant that he got this hard of a draw. And I'm left with Fratangelo, Kuznetsov, and uh, Rodriguez Rodriguez Taverna. Yes, I'm definitely taking Rodriguez Taverna. I think just on the basis that Fritz is not his best on clay, even though he's improved his movement so much on it. And in terms of whether I want Kuznetsov or Fratangelo, I think Fratangelo is a much better player if they if they met. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Kuznetsov just for just because Schwartzman seems like a more vulnerable uh, seed rather than Sinner. I mean, Sinner has been so consistent against lower ranked players this year, and I just don't really see Fratangelo having the weapons to to battle against him. Kuznetsov, I think he could snatch a set. Perhaps not not win because you know best of five and all. Yeah, and that leaves me with with Bjorn Fratangelo. Uh plays plays Sinner. It's, uh, that's that's tough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if he if he gets a if if he gets a set against Sinner. Right. So to sort of recap our teams, I have Zapata, Miraez, Kubler, Kotov, Collage. Uh, Blancano, Tsepieri, Ofner, and Fatangelo, and you have Hugo Carabey, Tseng, Borges, Gombos, Goyo, Varias, Rodriguez, Severna, and Kuznetsov. Yeah, I mm-hmm. probably like your team a little bit more than mine. Really? <laughs> I, I I don't like the fact that you have Zapata, Miralesh, Kubler, uh, perhaps even. No, that that the yeah, these are the ones where I'm like I really wanted them. Zapata, Miralesh, I I agree that he could have a chance against Fritz. Um, yeah, anyhow, we're going to meet in a week to, to talk about this, unless there's any qualifiers in the in the second week, then we'll have to postpone the, the results of the draft pick until a podcast in two weeks time. Um, yeah, and now we can just go straight into Shimkent, which was one of the Challenger 80s that were, that were held this week. Once again, not a strong draw. Yeah, an absolute shocker of a, of a winner here, Sergei Fomin. 
uh, beat Robin Hasse 7663. I'm sort of happy that the Fomin won here because if Hasse got the point the, the week after I picked him last week and he lost in first round, I would have been kicking myself. But yeah, Fomin, first challenger title. He's never reached a challenger quarterfinal before. He was up 435 spots, number 403. His road here was actually pretty tough, starting qualifying, beat Faizy Vimbondarevsky. Then in the main draw, he beat Kachmazov, Fanzalo, Uchida, and Nava before beating Hase. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Fomin here? Yeah, this is the third lowest-ranked challenger winner in the 21st century. I know there's been some other uh, lower-ranked guys in before that, but I, you know, there, there, it's impossible to find this stat without some database or something. But I, I saw people mentioning Henry Holm, I think, and, and, and some other guys. But in the 21st century, it's actually just Stricker and Petr Luxa in Istanbul 2002. Is Stricker in Lugano last year, of course? Uh, yeah, an absolute shocker. I mean, Fomin wasn't on my radar at all. It's a funny thing because if he was uh, the underdog, even in his qualities matches, he was actually the <laughs> underdog seven times this week. Uh, but wow. for how weak this draw was, he actually had a pretty tough time, I think. Hase and then both uh, finalists of, uh, of of last week's event, Nava and Fanslow. Like that, that that's actually pretty tough. I could I can imagine this being like the, the first three rounds of a decent challenger AD in Europe. And uh, he he made it through all that, and we'll see what he does with it because obviously the the huge ranking leap that he takes. He was the world number eight hundred thirty eight. Now he's going to be on the verge of the top four hundred. This is opening doors for him, uh, perhaps not to challenger main draws yet, but to to qualifying and a lot of events for sure. Uh, I don't know how how his uh, plans are going to change. I I saw he was signed up for a fifteen k in Antalya uh, this week. I'm assuming he's not going there. Uh, probably even just to celebrate or I know, rest up after this, but we'll see. Maybe maybe he's actually going to show up in Antalya. Uh, whether this is repeatable, who the hell knows? I mean, <laughs> and Hase, as a, I, I, I was also impressed with because I, I think that pick that you made last week was actually pretty much better than I thought when I realized that a lot of Hase's success in his career has come on clay with altitude. So... Uh, you know, he he's only two titles, Aaron Kitzbiel. Uh He also reached the final in Kstad twice. And Kstad, I think, is the highest, um, you know, in terms of elevation, I think it's the highest uh, located court in like the, the ATP tour. So four of his five ATP finals have come on altitude clay. And there's also a lot of uh, challenger finals like in Sibiu, which, which also has some slight altitude. I mean, uh, yeah, it just seems like he really excels in this condi- in these conditions. And it made sense uh, watching him this week because he was playing like very big serve plus one forehand oriented game. I don't know if it's like he's not ready physically for, for like how he used to play it, uh, but he was definitely trying to keep the ball, uh, points short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as we talk about Haas, this was his 19th challenger final. His record in there is actually really good, 13 yep. and 6. Uh, his, his first one is January 2020 in Bangkok. Uh, this was a huge result for him as he moved up 60 spots, number 264, uh, which basically it, 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 it gets him into a lot more challenger qualifying than than 320 something. Uh, on his road here, he beat Turnev, Jianu, Yonel, and Zhu. Yeah, anything else on, on Hase here? Not really. I mean, I, I I'm pretty shocked to see it because he's just been so. Um, unimpressive for such a long time now. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, once I once I really like paid attention to his altitude clay records, I was much less much less surprised. It seems like it, these are really the conditions that that you uh, you can see him thrive in. Uh, you know, he's a player we've watched a lot on the main tour, but there he was showing up in like every single event. There's not that much altitude in uh, in ATP events, so I never really like made the connections between Kitzbühel-Stadt and and his ATP finals. Yes, and we have to mention Emilio Nava. Who reached the semifinals here, beating Ishai Oliel, uh, Shevchenko, and Kalovsky. This is what we talked about when we talk about scheduling. He came to Shimkent and doubled his points uh, almost, really getting 110 points. Uh, moves up from 358 to number 233, which changes his life as a as a challenger player. Really uh, gets him into so many more main draws. This was only like the second and third main draws that, that he was able to, to enter on challengers. He's been forced to go through qualifying time and time again. Uh, so for him to go here and do so well, uh, it's, it's great to see for, for Nava. Yeah. I definitely thought he was winning again at some point. He was such <laughs> a huge favorite against Fomin, uh, especially after defeating Shevchenko fairly comfortably in the second round, which I thought could be tough. I picked Shevchenko to win again. And then also beating Karlovsky, which seemed like perhaps the toughest opponent left there. And it all ran out against Fomin. I think the conditions in Kazakhstan was were also pretty tough, like in terms of heat. And, and a lot of the players were struggling physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other semifinals was Evan Zhu, uh, reaching the semifinals as a qualifier, beating Konovalov, Donati, Belier, Zhukaev and Marchenko. Uh, he breaks the top 400, so we're going to be seeing a, a lot more of him as well. Uh, and in the doubles, uh, Faiziev and Kalavelonis uh, won there. Uh, Kalavelonis getting his first uh, career challenge title. Faiziev is, is his second one. And they beat Thorpegad and Uchida. Uchida, who interestingly enough, made back-to-back finals here in, in Shimkent with two different partners and lost both times. Carlo Velonis. Okay, no, no, I'm just looking when Carlo Velonis won a title. If you Rabek Karimov in 2018. Actually, no, no, not 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 Carlo Velonis, but Faisif, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I think we need to go to Tunis next. Yes, Tunis, where we got our points uh this week with Roberto Carbayas Baena beating Guys Brauer 6-1-6-1 in the final, his ninth challenger title, nine and six in those in, in the finals there. Uh, he moved up 13 spots to number 89. Uh, his road was uh, Brancaccio, Esteve Lobato, Hertz, Zhang. It was a really a dominant week for Carbaez Bayna, wasn't it? Yeah, and we sort of expected it. I think this is like the easiest point you can get in terms of how, both in terms of the ranking, uh, obviously not taking Thompson into consideration, but like in terms of just the sheer level, how much better he was than the rest of the field. And it, it showed, I, I, you know, he, he lost that set to Brancaccio, but ever since he was barely losing games, only had pretty much, he only had that one bad set against Harris at the beginning, but Hertz was also playing very well. He won a 25K the, the week before or a 15K, definitely an ATF. And, um, and and simply pushed him in that in that opener, and it's also pretty impressive, I suppose, because <laughs> the other opponents just didn't do anything to Carbaez Baena outside of that first set with Brancaccio, and I, I think he was actually outranking every opponent of his this week by 164 places or more, of course. So that, that, that's, <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah that can my happen. Is, 
Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm saying that that happens quite often at ITFs, but challengers, you, you never really get that. Yeah, we, we only get that in the specific situation yeah. of the slam qualifying and stuff. My stat was that in eight out of the 11 sets he played this week, he took his opponent to the bakery. It was either a six love or six one set. Um, one of those was, was like one of the ones that he didn't take into the bakery was a six two. So the dominance was just insane from Karbaez Baena. Uh, as for Brauer, it was his first challenger final. Uh, he moves up 42 spots, number 231, breaks the top 250 for the first time in his career. Uh, his road included wins over Aldin Setkic, Maxim Janvier, Oriol Roca Bataya, and Philippe Misolic in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Brower here and sort of his year overall? Yeah, I mean, he had that one huge run in Houston, but just today when I was looking back at it, I mean, it doesn't even seem that impressive right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because there was that huge, uh, how to even call it, but uh, there there was that match with Steven Diaz that he probably should have lost. Like that, it was already called that he lost, but then they checked the mark and then he like saved some match points in the qualies. And then he beat Freddy Lopez and JJ Wolf on clay. So, I mean, it it wasn't that great, but still, uh, I mean, before this week, he never had a challenger semi, which kind of shocked me. I... I don't know. I just I just assumed that he had one at some point in the in the states just because it didn't like he, he was always pretty competitive it seemed uh, on the Challenger Tour and I mean just just I remember that seeing that Houston run I was like okay and he, he probably had like a like a deep run at, at the Challenger before he didn't uh, definitely not the toughest road but still he didn't even even lose a set until the final the Misolic win would be very good if not for the fact that Misolic was kind of drained after all these matches in in recent yeah. weeks because he won Zagreb uh then went to the semis here so that's already nine into weeks and that's what well, was probably too much so someone had to play Carbaez by in the final <laughs> and it turned out to be like you know the, the wheel of fortune rolled out Brauer but I, I don't think it was anything spectacular uh yeah and speaking of Misolic who is the next guy I have here talking about the semi-finalists uh, he beat Midler, then he beat Jordan Thompson, saving a match point. Uh, Nicola Kuhn, as we said, lost to Brauer. Uh, what are two weeks he's had, though? Ten uh, match win streak that he had before the loss to, to Brauer. 114 points in two weeks. It takes him up almost 100 spots higher. Uh, yeah, because so, he also played the qualies in Zagreb, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, so, so I, 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 I said that points. it was nine yeah. in two weeks, but it was actually more like 11, yeah. Yeah. So from 301, he goes down now to 209. So he's going to be in main draws regularly. Uh, yeah, incredible effort for Misolic. Yeah. Uh, that, as we talked about last week, I mean, if you, he's been so good on the ITF tour that you sort of expect that at some point he's going to turn it into, into something in Challengers and just another very solid week. Uh, I don't think he would have done any damage to Kerbois Baena, though, but yeah. still... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the other semifinalist was Zhijian Zhang, who pulled off a couple of maybe surprising wins for him on clay. Uh, he beat Bemelman, Sanchez Izquierdo, and Ferreira Silva. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on, on Zhang here? Were they surprising? I don't know. I mean, most of these guys are either out of form or yeah, I'm mostly talking of uh, Ferreira Silva or like Bemelman. Yeah. He's, he's obviously not a clay carder either. 
I don't know if, if that's if that's actually like a, like a good run. This this tournament was so weird because it like everything seemed to exist only to hand the title over to Carvajal Baena, and like all the other guys, they they simply played uh, people more at their level. I think uh, I don't remember Sanchez Disquedo doing doing much recently either. But I guess that was a, a pretty impressive win for Zhang. But I, I actually thought if someone was going to battle against Carbaez Bena this week, it could be him. And then no, yeah, it didn't didn't work out that way. Uh, in the doubles, we had uh, Nicolas Barrientos and Miguel Angel Reyes Varela take the title. Uh, their fourth challenger title this year. They're number two in the race. They separated themselves from uh, Dumbia Bull and they beat Edler Midler, uh, for whom it's the it's the second final this year. Edler actually won a couple of matches, uh, qualified and, and went to the second round. Um, but yeah, we can move on to Franca Vila unless you have anything else for Tunis. No, probably not. Yeah, it's good you mentioned Adler because we we talked a bit about him last time, and finally he scored some wins, even though he was struggling with that uh Tunisian guy in the first round. Uh, his name started with E, but I, I don't know, and never mind, Youssef yeah. something, uh, Youssef Alabene. Sorry, not not he didn't start with E. Yeah, never mind. Let's go. Let's go to Franca Vila. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, in Franca Vila, that was our, our challenger fifty this week. We had a, once again a final of two young Italians. They they just have I don't know where they keep sprouting from. There's just so many young Italians uh, like in and around the challenger tour, and it was Matteo Arnaldi taking the title six three six seven six four over well. Uh, for now, his first challenge title moves up 41 spots, number 239, breaking the top 250. Uh, his run was pretty dominant, um, especially, I mean, at, at the start it was, I mean, all, all, all the way through to the final it was dominant. He beat Francesco Forti, Pavel Ciash, Dan Adet, and got a retirement from Hernan Casanova. He only lost eight games in those first three matches, which is wild. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Arnaldi here? Yeah, obviously watched him against Chash and it just wasn't really a match at all. But then I, I realized that actually Arnaldi is doing that to everyone this week. <laughs> all the way until the final, really. Like he, he just choked the second set from 5-2 up. And it got weird because finals between players who have never been in uh, in finals at that particular level before do often tends to be very nervy, of course. Uh, but I, I actually think we maybe should have paid like more attention to Arnaldi uh, looking at the at the picks. Like there was a point this week where I was like, well, this guy has a very good chance to win it too. Uh, obviously for for the ELO rankings, Pavel Chash would be the favorite against Arnaldi uh, in the second round because as I as I found out, they don't they don't include ITF results. So. Pretty much all they had on Chash was a was a quarterfinal run in Stettin, so he he also projected like crazy. Uh, but yeah, super solid defender, great set of like strokes. Uh, I I actually think he can keep moving on, but perhaps not really like ATP two ready. That's that's uh, that's probably a stretch. He he lost a pretty easy match to Tillich in in Rome. 
and it didn't look that great. The defensive play style has its limitations, but he can move the ball around the court with his forehand. Like it's it's actually a pretty decent shot. And I even this year we've seen him already so many times in maybe not going too deep because he only had this one semi in split, I think, but actually doing some damage to great quality challenger players. Like I don't know, the the, the Borges match points that he missed in in one of the Italian events this year. Uh, just constantly being at that level that that he can compete not only in Challenger 50s, but also in, in the regular events. Maestrelli, I guess we haven't really seen that yet. Yeah, uh, for Maestrelli, it's his first final, obviously. His first Challenger main draw win, either, even. Oh. Uh, he moves up 109 spots to number 403. Uh, his road, including beating, beating your pick, Oleksi Krug in the first round, then Billy Harris... Matthias Borg uh, and Alexis Galarno. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Maestrelli? Honestly, I think I only saw the match against Harris and a bit of that and the final, of course. He's just 19. So he's actually like uh, still has a few years ahead of him and he seemed like mm-hmm. maybe more... Uh, more typically built uh, than than Arnaldi in terms of in terms of his game, like that there's actually uh, ideas in or in 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 regards to how to create the points, how to build how to build up play. Uh, so I think there, there there could be something there, but honestly, uh, my sample size on him is just absurdly low. And uh, this this goes back to what you said about the <laughs> the Italians just showing up so much that at some point you just cannot really. I cannot really even keep up with them, but he had. He, had, I, I remember. I think I watched yeah. him against Valkos in Sanremo, and he was. He also took a set of him. Like it, 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 it hasn't come out of nowhere. Even last week, the, he was. Uh, he was defeated by Hertz in that 25k that he won. I think that was Santa Margherita di Pula, but definitely in Italy. And before that, he won an ITF. I mean, just constantly. Uh, improving as a 19-year-old still, and his birthday is in December, so so it's going to be a, a while before he turns 20. And coming back to these Italians, like I just checked that. And what would be your guess at how many Italians are there in the top 1,000 of the ATP rankings? Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger French Open qualifying-centric edition of the Great Shot Podcast. A thank you, as always, to Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Iaka Babro. You will not find two people more passionate about this level of the game nor for more enthusiastic about it as well. We are immensely grateful that they remain a part of our Cracked Rackets team, and we hope you all continue to tune into their episodes week in, week out, as no two people shine a brighter light on all things ATP Challenger Tour. But, of course, if you're looking, for additional French Open content. David Kane and I broke down the draw as well as round one of the event over on the Mini Break podcast feed. Also recap championship weekend at the 2022 NCAA tournament there. You can find that content both wherever you listen to your Mini Break podcast or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at crackrackets. You want to message me directly, I am at AL Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos and who as always has a f- of an editing job to do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at turner remember contact sales at uniquesports.com to join the turner family today with all that said for our cracked rackets contributors damian and Jakob, our super producer daniel westoff our friends at turner and from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we'll see you all next week thanks everyone
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com specialoffer.